everything and everyone's highest potential is reached when it fulfills the purpose for which it was created. You were created for a purpose. Now it's up to you to get before God and figure out what that purpose is. Because God had a purpose in mind for you before you were ever born. From the foundation of the earth, he had a plan for your life. But it's up to you to figure out what it is. And until something fulfills the purpose for which it was created, it's never going to arise to its greatness. This is a drumstick that I borrowed out of the drum cage. How many of you know I could use this stick for any number of things? I could stick it in my potted plant and tie it to my plant so it could hold my plant straight as it grows. I could take it in the backyard and dig holes with it to plant a garden. I could prop up my window with it. But how many of you know this drumstick fulfills its highest purpose when it's put into the hands of a master drummer? And they make a glorious sound that leads us into the presence of God. And in my house, of course, I have a stove. I could unplug it, thought about it. <laughs> but if I unplug that stove, how many of you know I could use it for any number of things? I could store stuff in it. I could use it like countertop or like a tabletop. But that stove doesn't reach its highest potential until I plug it into the power. And slide a pot roast and potatoes and carrots down into the belly of that thing. Only then, when it fulfills its purpose, do we see the genius behind a stove. How many of you know it's the same of you? So many people have no idea for what purpose they were created. So they try this and they do that. But it's not until they're plugged into the power source. Plugged into the creator. And they get into his manual, the owner's manual. That they begin to realize their true purpose. And then their highest potential can be realized. You were created for greatness of some sort. God has something for you to do. Not necessarily showy. How many of you know not everything great is showy? There's a lady that her family moved out in the middle of nowhere in Montana. And she was kind of a city girl. She's like, Lord, why did you bring me out here? He said, I want you to raise up giants of your children. Giants for me. I tell you, out there in the middle of nowhere, she had nothing else to do but focus on her kids. And then she was able, and they are four successful men of God. Well, one of them's gone home to be with the Lord. Three successful men of God, but the fourth one was doing his great thing too before he passed. But, but how many of you know it's not always showy, but it always has great purpose and meaning. He's got a destiny for your life. But it's up to you to get in there and find it. I tell you, you were created for purpose. Colossians 
It says, for by him were all things created by God that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him, but also all things were created for him. Listen, you were created for him. You were created for him. It's not until you take your plug and put it into the power source and you begin operating in the kingdom of God and under his anointing and in vital fellowship with him that your true genius begins to show. Now, I know some of you are very successful, but you ain't seen nothing yet. He created you for purpose. Revelation 4.10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before him, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, for thy pleasure, they are and were created. You were created for the pleasure of God. He takes pleasure in you. He takes pleasure in you. You give the heart of God pleasure when you walk with him, when you talk with him. Why? Because he made us to be his family. He wanted human beings. He wanted fellowship with beings that would choose to love him. Thus he gave us a free will. Because without a free will, love is not love. God could have saved himself a whole lot of trouble if he'd have made us like a robot. You know, kind of a, I love you, God. I love you, God. That would have been a whole lot easier on him and us too, really. But how many of you know that's not satisfying to the heart of a love God? I would never do this. Well, let's say I took a gun and I put it to your head and I said, tell me that you love me. How many of you know even if you said it, it wouldn't count? Why? Because I made you say it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Love isn't love unless it's freely given. But you're never going to find your highest potential, your highest worth and value outside of that relationship with him. Because it's only when you plug into the power that things began to happen the way they should. Let's go on to Proverbs 8.22. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. This is wisdom speaking. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. He's talking about in creation, before God created everything, uh, he was there and what it was like. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. Let me ask you a question. What is the highest part of the dust of the world? We are. I don't think I'm, well, maybe I am the first one to tell you, but how many of you know we're just made of mud? 
We're made from the dust of the earth. In creation, in the rest of creation, God spoke and it became. But when it came to man, the Bible says God formed man of the dust of the earth. God couldn't wait to get his hands on us. He could have spoken and we would have become. But instead he came down and he formed man with, the dust, with his own hands from the dust of the earth. And the Bible says that he breathed into us some of himself, the breath of life. And we became a living soul. Glory to God. Verse 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. Now, why would God and wisdom rejoice in the habitable part of the earth? Who's in the habitable part of the earth? We are. They, in creation, God was like, this is where they're going to be. This is where they're going to be. Right here, in this habitable part of the earth. This is where they're... You give his heart joy. Listen, the rest of that verse. And my delights were with the sons of men. He takes delight in you, in knowing you. When God created Adam and Eve, the Bible says he came in the garden in the cool of the day to walk and talk with them and to fellowship with them. You will find your highest fulfillment, not in a job or a career. Not in the accumulation of wealth and possessions, but you're going to find your highest fulfillment in being with him. Why? Because it's the purpose for which you were created. You have infinite worth because you're a son and a daughter. If you're born again, you're a son and a daughter of the most high God. Did you hear me? You have infinite worth, infinite value. God himself, the creator of the universe, wants to walk with you and talk with you and do life with you. Who are we that he should even know our names? But he's always so happy when we come into his presence. You know, I've never once gone in the throne room and he said, Rhonda, get out. I'm having a bad day. Russia done invaded Ukraine. Washington's acting crazy. I still have time to deal with you right now. Never, not once. Mm -mm. He's always happy when we come into his presence because he wants to walk with you and talk with you and do life with you every single day. He wants to love away the brokenness that this life can bring into our lives. He wants to take us in his arms and melt away the stress of our day. But we have to come to him to get it done. 
a songwriter by the name of Tommy Walker was on a missions trip in the Philippines and they were staying in an orphanage. And he met this little boy and this little boy, he was very young and he, he ran up to him and he said, hi, my name is Jerry. He said, hi, Jerry, my name is Tommy. And Jerry said to the songwriter, he said, uh, we're friends, right? And, and Tommy said, sure, Jerry, we're friends. He ran off so happy. A little while later, he came back and he said, what was my name? <laughs> he said, your name is Jerry. He said, that's right. And we're friends, right? And he went running off. He was so happy when Tommy said, yes, Jerry, we're friends. And you know what? As he went running off, he realized this was a little orphan boy who all of his life had been in that orphanage, never had a family of his own. And for him to even just have somebody who knew his name, somebody who was his friend, he was so happy just to know that somebody acknowledged his existence. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that you have somebody. You have somebody, oh, the king of the universe who loves you and knows you and created you and wants to be with you and wants to be your friend. And that gives you significance and worth and value beyond anything this world could give you. Just to go into his presence, let him love on you. One of my favorite things to do when I was on the mission field was to go into the villages and, you know, especially talk to the women because they work so hard. From sunup to sundown, they carry water on their heads. They carry sticks to make a fire. They work the crops. They, they cook everything from scratch for their families. They, you know, they work so hard and they're so beaten down. And for me just to tell them, look, I know somebody who knows you, who loves you, who wants to help you. Uh, you have significance and you have worth and you have value because you can be a daughter of the most high God. Oh, you... He created humanity to fellowship with himself. It's the purpose for which you were created. You can have all the wonderful jobs. You can have all the investments. You can have all these things, but none of it matters. Without the purpose for which you were created being fulfilled. Just like that stove that's unplugged. I could do lots of things with it, but it would never fulfill its purpose until it's plugged into the power. Isaiah 45:18. Isaiah 45:18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain, or he didn't create it for no purpose. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. How many of you know he put some wonderful things in this earth just because he knew we'd enjoy it? I don't even know how many species of bananas there are, but there's a whole bunch. How many species of apples are there? I don't know, but a whole bunch. i tell you why. Because God created all of that for us. To minister to us. So we can minister to him. 
I tell you, even in its fallen state, there's some amazing things to see in this world. Even in its fallen state. But you're going to find your highest fulfillment only in your relationship with him. Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It's a relationship between you and God. Listen, he doesn't want you to just come in here and punch your time clock. Okay, Lord, I gave you your hour and a half this week. No. He wants to do life with you. And you're going to find your highest fulfillment in that relationship with him. One of the saddest things for me is people who never get beyond the religion to the relationship. He's a real being. He's a real being who wants to be with you. If you really meditate on that, the almighty God the omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing one wants to be with you? That changes the way you walk and talk. That's where you're going to find your highest fulfillment. It's in a relationship with him. You know, before I married, I clung to him. And I tell single women all the time, I tell you, he, he was a great husband to me before I had a husband. Who better to advise you on financial matters than he who knows the future? Who better to counsel you on relationships than he who knows the hearts of all men? Who better to love on you than love himself? He woke me up one night in the middle of the night just to tell me that he loved me. I was going through a hard time one time and I was sitting on my bed as a teenager and I was in his presence and I felt the warmth of his hand on my back as he comforted me. I, was, I had a vision and I won't tell you the whole thing because it's too, anyway, I had a vision and in this vision, you know, I, I, I was laying there needing comfort. And in the vision, that hand, the hand of God came down and rested on me. And, and I literally felt the warmth of the hand of God on my back. I tell you, he's real. And he wants to be real to you. You can get beyond the religion to where he's so real to you and shares life with you. I tell you, I, I, he did everything for me but take out the trash. Mark 3, 13 and 14. And he goeth up into a mountain, this is Jesus, and he calleth unto him whom he would when he was picking his disciples. And they came unto him, verse 14. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him. The first reason, first job of a disciple is to be with him. Then he can send you forth in his power, in his, his anointing. He can tell you what to say to people. He can put his presence on you and smear it all over you so that it's there and the people can draw from that. But first, you're called to be with him. He wants you to be a voice, not an echo. A voice speaks what they know firsthand. 
An echo is just repeating what someone else said. Hello, 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 hello. You know what I mean? A voice says, let me tell you about my God and what he's done for me and what he's meant to me. Let me tell you, I know he'll heal your body because he healed mine. I've seen him heal other people. It is too late. I'm just telling you now. It is too late for anybody to convince me that my God doesn't still heal in this day and age because I've seen him do it too many times. I can introduce you to people right here in this church that God has raised up who were semi-bedfast with incurable diseases. I can introduce you to women who have babies when they don't have the right equipment to have babies and nobody can explain how they got pregnant. I'm here to tell you it is too late to tell me that my God doesn't still heal because I know he does. In that issue, I'm a voice. My pastor said, that's an echo. I heard somebody say, that's an echo. I know. I know that's a voice. Do you understand? He wants you to know him. That comes from relationship and personal experience. I can tell you that I've walked with him some 55 years now, and he has never lied to me. Never lied to me. It didn't always happen when I wanted it to. It didn't always happen the way I wanted it to. But he's never lied to me. It's not until you experience him that you really begin to understand what Christianity is all about. Let's go to Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Oh, there's hope. <laughs> Peter and John were unlearned and ignorant. There's hope for all of us. Glory to God. And they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There was something about them. They could tell they had been with Jesus. Can people tell that you have been with Jesus? I was on the mission field and we had breakfast in this one restaurant every day and towards the end of the week, the whole staff gathered around our table and they said, okay, what is it? And we're like, Excuse me? What is it about you? What's different? We said, well, we're from the U.S. No, that ain't it. I said, let me introduce you to somebody who can explain it to you. And I called over some national ministers so that I didn't get in trouble and didn't get kicked out of the country. I said, they want to know what's different about us. Would you like to tell them? How many of you heard those old time stories about, you know, what, uh, great ministers who got on trains and people fell to their knees saying, man, your prairie presence convicts me of my sin. They could tell they had been with Jesus. Can they tell that you've been with Jesus? There's power available to you. You know, when I went Zen Driver's Ed, the first few weeks, we just read all the books and they made us watch those horrible movies. I don't know if they still do that anymore. All the car wrecks and them scraping people up off the street. They were trying to scare us and it worked. I tell you, it worked. It was terrible. I don't like, I'm tenderhearted and I don't like 
gore and oh, I struggled. I put my head down at one point, so on my desk, rest of my head. I, you know, uh, and then they say, okay, now get in the car. And I'm like, that's a 2,000-pound killing machine. But how many of you know all the book reading in the world never really taught me how to drive a car? It wasn't until I slid behind the steering wheel, fastened my seatbelt and turned the key in the ignition, put it into park, and gently pressed that accelerator so that I began to have true knowledge of driving. You know, when I was young, my parents divorced young, and I was determined if I ever got married, I was going to have a good marriage. And so as a teenager, I would ask people, if, if, if I heard somebody say something about their marriage, I'd ask him, well, what makes your marriage good? You say you have a good marriage. What makes that marriage good? And, and I would read books, and I was gathering information. But how many of you know, I didn't really know about marriage until I stood at the altar, say I do, and went home with the dude. It's at that point you began to have real knowledge of marriage. Some people spend 20, 30, 40 years learning about God, but they don't know him. They can recount to you uh, in great detail all, all the uh, uh, details of creation, but they've never walked with him and talked with him the way Adam and Eve did. Listen, you don't possess real knowledge of God until you walk with him and talk with him and do life with him, and he wants to do that with you. But how much of God you have is up to you. You know, sometimes I've seen it more in women, although I guess men do it too. You know, maybe they're dating somebody they can't really afford to marry. And I recommend against that because the heart's a tricky thing. And I'm like, why would you even consider being with this person? Oh, oh they just need the love of a good woman. They just need a good godly influence to bring them to Christ. No, they got as much of God as they want. Don't make me come down there. In the United States of America, where there's a church on every corner, Christian t TV channels on, the, on everywhere. People have as much of God as they want. If they're not going to church and they're not serving God, that ought to tell you everything you ought to know or need to know about their desire level for him and what they're going to do after you marry. Because listen, when they're fishing, when the man is on the hunt and he's going to bag him a woman, he's going to say whatever needs to be said. You understand? He's going to do whatever needs to be done. But if it's not coming from his heart, it's not going to last. That was extra. <laughs> ain't no charge for that. There ain't no charge for any of it. I'm just kidding. I know a little bit about President Biden. But how many of you know his wife Jill knows him? 
His kids know him. You know some things about my husband, but I know him. For 28 years now, in a few months, 28 years we've been together, 24-7, 365, almost without fail. We work together. We drive together. We sleep together. Although we did get a king bed because somebody throws elbows. <laughs> After the first few months, I figured it out. That's that true knowledge I was talking about. <laughs> it's way more information than you need. But I turn like a chicken on a rotisserie. You know what I'm saying? I, I stay in the same place and I just turn. But not everyone does that. I was surprised to find. <laughs> but my point is, by spending time with him, I know him. Do you know him? How much time do you spend with him? I want to give you some benefits of spending time with him and really knowing him. Number one, faith. I know him. I know his character. 2 Timothy 1.12, again, we read it just a minute ago, but it says, I know in whom I have believed. And because I know him, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. If you know him, you know his character. Then even if something happens that you don't exactly understand, you can trust his character behind it. You can know, uh, is it God or is it the devil? Well, did it come to steal, kill, and destroy? If so, it's from the devil because you know that because you know his character. He said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Glory to God. If it gives life to you, if it gives love to you, if it builds you up, it's from our Father. Some people who don't know him, they accuse him of all sorts of things. Well, the Lord knew that I needed more time with him. So he broke my leg. Well, my stars, let's say me in my infinite wisdom, decided that my daughter needed to spend more time with me. So I take a baseball bat and I break her legs so that she can spend time with me. Are you going to celebrate that? Does that make me a good parent? No. It makes me a child abuser. And I should be in jail. And yet we accuse God of stuff like that all the time. I know him. I know him. He is not a child abuser. He is a good God who loves you and who wants the best for your life. So much so that he gave his very own to buy you back to himself. And every day he's standing there waiting Wanting to do life with you, wanting to help you, wanting to love away your hurts, wanting to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, wanting to heal your body by the stripes that he took upon his back. But he's only able to the level that you let him in.
We don't experience none of that in our church. So I don't believe any of it. No, you don't believe any of it, so you've never had any of it. Anyway, that's another sermon. When you know him, you can have faith in his word because he tells the truth. You can have faith in him. It builds faith when you know him. Protection. Number two is protection. Psalms 91. He that dwelleth, to dwell means you, you dwell in your home. That's where you live, right? To dwell means to live. He that lives in the secret place of the Most High, in the secret of his presence, another place in Scripture says, uh, in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the very shadow. Abide means to stay under the very shadow of the Almighty. How close are you walking to him? Those who are so close, they're right up under his shadow, right up under his wing, right up under his arm. That's a safe place. Because who's going to mess with you there? And if they do, they'll regret it. The devil attacks you, make him regret it. Make him regret it. I always wish I had a big brother named Bubba with a protective instincts. Walk me to school every day. Be there on the playground. I didn't, but it would have been nice. We got something better than a big brother named Bubba. We got the king of the universe. The almighty God standing right here with us. Everywhere we go. Everything we do. The third benefit of walking with him every day is you easily recognize his voice. So many times he saved my life. Just recently, just in the last couple of weeks, I was pulling out on this new road out here about to turn onto Waltriana Highway. My light turned green. I was turning left to go like towards the interstate. Um, and, and all of a sudden I had to wait. And so I hesitated. And when I did, a car came flying through there at 50 miles an hour, right through that light. He had a red light. I don't even know if he saw it. He went flying through there. How many of you know if I'd have pulled out, he'd have broadsided me right in my door I don't, at 50 miles an hour? I tell you, it pays. It pays to listen for that still small voice, to get good at recognizing those unctions of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. It saved our lives more times. I could spend a, a full day standing up here telling you stories about how God has spared us. By prompting us what to do, what not to do, where to be, where not to be. It saved our lives. I'm telling you, it saved our lives. You need to easily recognize the voice of, of God. How do you do that? By, by being in his presence all the time. I recognize Mark's voice anywhere. He calls me on the phone and he doesn't have to say, this is Mark. No, he just starts talking. Why? Because I know, I recognize his voice. Do you understand? I mean, if somebody calls you and they say, this is Mark, you know, your husband, Mark Garver, you remember me? How many of you know y'all don't talk very much? No, I easily recognize his voice because I hear it all the time. You can have that with God. 
and it can save your life. I'm telling you, it will. Number four, friends share secrets. Being a friend of God, friends share secrets. There was, uh, there's some words in the song they're going to introduce tonight about how when you get close to God, he, he tells you secrets from his heart. And it's not so much things he's hidden from you as things he's hidden for you. How many of you know there's things that you just don't know that God knows? And friends tell each other secrets. It says in James 2.23 that Abraham was called a friend of God. Down here in Genesis 18, 16 through 19, God came when he was on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, shall I keep from my friend Abraham that thing that I'm about to do? How many of you know because of that, he could intercede? Friends share secrets. whether or not to say something, but when we were about 10 years in, this is not what I was going to say, but when we were about 10 years in, we had still hadn't broke 100 people. And we were frustrated because, you know, not that numbers matter that much, but we want to help people and we, that what we saw in our heart was bigger than what we could see with our eyes and we couldn't figure it out. And so we were away praying. We were away spending time with the Lord. Uh, we were away praying. But we were expressing a little bit of frustration. Um, and so I was like, Lord, you know, we're doing everything we know to do. I don't know what else to do. And he said, Rhonda, you are, in, not out here, he said, in here, you are doing everything you know to do. It's what you don't know that's the issue. And I said, well, Lord, how do I know what I don't know? How many of you know you need to know his secrets? You need to know the things that are in his heart that can help you, that can further you. You need to know what to do with supernatural wisdom when your kid's been hit with a stupid stick. You need to know what to do when your marriage is in trouble and you don't know what to do or which way to turn. How many of you know he's got answers for you? He's got wisdom for you. It's all in the heart of God, but you've got to get close enough to where you can hear him and let him speak those answers to you. The scripture said God speaks in a still small voice, which means the closer you are to him, In that still small voice. It's not that he's not speaking. It's not that he's not speaking loudly or loud enough for you to hear. It's that you're not close enough to hear what he's saying. He's got answers for you. So many times we rush into the presence of God and we give him our laundry list. Lord, take care of my house, take care of my kids, take care of you know my investments, take care of, you know, Lord, here's my list. But we never stay there long enough to get his plan and give him the opportunity to share what's on his heart. Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want because he's my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And that scripture always makes me smile because isn't that just like us? We're such, 
we're so sheepy. <laughs> he has to make us lie down in those pastures that are good for us. Lie down, Rhonda. Stay here. No. I got to work. I got to do this. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to lay down. No, I got to. He makes us lie down in those green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He knows just where the still water is because a sheep won't drink from a running river. Verse 3, he restores my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. You can go into your presence and let him download peace to your mind. Let him restore your emotions. How many of you know this life? Right now, I don't even know what's going on in our nation. People are just doing all kinds of nutty stuff. So much strife, so much division. We need our souls restored in his presence. He restores our soul. He renews our strength. Number six, he renews our strength. If you read up on what Jesus did while he was on the earth, there are times it says he got up a great while before dawn to go pray. There are times it says he prayed all day. There's another place where it says he prayed into the evening. There's another place where it says he prayed all night. What is that? He was staying connected so he could stay full, so he could do what he needed to do in this earth. Well, I'm telling you, if Jesus had to do that, how much more us? We need to stay connected so that we can receive downloads and get our strength renewed. Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Do you know what an eagle does when a storm is coming? An eagle starts flying and it gets up until it gets in that wind. And then it locks its wings and that wind picks it up and carries it over the top of the storm. And it comes down the backside when the storm has passed. I tell you, you can lock your wings on the breath of God and soar and soar above all the problems and all the strife and all the division and all the things that are in our world that would sap our strength and vex our souls. But whether you do that or not is up to you. Number seven, we need to get the plan. He'll show you things to come. John 16, 13 says, he will show you things to come. Number eight, when you get full of him, you make other people hungry. Have you ever been around somebody and just their presence makes you want to know God more? I heard stories about an old-time church father got on a train and a man was walking by and he fell to his knees and he said, man, you convict me of my sin. You can get so full of God that they can sense him on you. The Bible calls it a sweet smelling savor that we put off in the spirit realm. Listen, in the spirit realm, you smell like something. Either death and decay 
or life. And peace. Scripture says the world is waiting and groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. When we take our place, when we get full enough of him, that we start leaking out on other people. That's when we become usable for the kingdom. Well, I'm not a minister. Well, you don't got to be. All you got to be is his. And walk with him. And talk with him. And fellowship with him. And that sweet smelling savor of his presence will draw people to him through you. Pastor Mark Edwards said this. If sovereign God, who's continually busy in accomplishing his purposes, expanding his kingdom, moving mountains, you ever think about what God, what God does all day? Listening to and answering prayers, administrating the affairs of the world, watching over and protecting his own, ministering to the hurts of the wounded. If he has time to spend with us, what excuse do we have? The king of the universe, he wants to be with you. And he wants you to be with him. He wants to walk with you and talk with you every single day. He wants to love away your hurts. He wants to love away your pain. He wants to heal your body. He wants to give you peace in your mind. He wants to give you direction. He wants to give you a wisdom. He, he wants to help you. But whether or not it ever gets done is up to you.